you will be opening your Bibles to Genesis 13. We're going to notice this evening, beginning with verse number 5. Genesis 13, beginning with verse number 5. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, There be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord, destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Abram uh, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked, and sinners before the Lord exceedingly." I've noticed over the years as I have, uh, what, what little bit of experience I have in this life, I, I have found it common among people when things are going very well, sometimes we lose sight of God. Sometimes we do not think of God as we ought to when things are going well. When we have uh, plenty of money, when our homes are in good repair, our vehicles are operating properly, no one is unhealthy or sick or anything like that. Sometimes people, and when I say that I'm talking about people in general, sometimes they forget about God, even those who have a strong belief in God. As we look back over the history of the Bible, we see that all too often, don't we? We remember the rich young ruler of Luke 18. He asked the Lord what he ought to do that he might inherit eternal life and He told them to keep the commandments. He said, I've done that. I haven't failed to do that. He said, well, go sell all that you've got and give it to the poor and come follow me. He couldn't do that. Saul was obedient to God until he began to enjoy the riches of Israel and ultimately he lost the throne because he forgot God. Now, it isn't the case that only those who are blessed materially make poor choices in life, but it does make it more difficult at times. The Lord warned, and I say unto you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God, Matthew 19, 24. Now the Lord obviously was employing exaggeration for effect. Now, a camel cannot go through the eye of a needle. A rich man can get to heaven but it can be difficult. And so I think that's what he's talking about. But why is it so difficult? Why is it so dangerous for people who are blessed to be in danger of leaving God? 
to lose sight of the things that are important in this world. Often the world itself is allowed to come in between God and the person, right? We've all seen that. It may have happened to some of us. I know that I've allowed things to come in between me and God at times. When we look at many of those people in the world, often they will take credit for the good things that have happened in their lives, won't they? They fail to ever thank God for what has happened for the wonderful things with which they've been blessed. That reminds me of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar took credit for the great blessings that God had given to him. On one occasion, he walked in the the palace of the kingdom of Babylon and he looked out and he said this, Daniel 4 verse 30, he said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by my might, of my power, and for the honor of my majesty? Can you imagine someone standing, as it were, in the very face of God and saying, Look what I have done by my power, by my authority, for my glory. While those words were yet in his mouth, a voice from heaven came down upon him and said, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, thy kingdom is departed from thee. Verse 31. Now we remember the account. We remember what happened. He was driven out of the kingdoms of men. He lost his mind. He was out in the wilderness for a period of time and he he ate like the animals. He began to look like an animal until he finally came to himself. God brought him back to himself. And that's when he said, Oh, I understand. God works in the kingdoms of men. See, it was difficult for Nebuchadnezzar, wasn't it? It was difficult because he was enjoying the riches that God had given him. Babylon was the world power at the time. He was the ruler of the known world. And he looks out and he says, Oh, this great Babylon, look what I've done. God punished him for that. But it isn't just individuals who can turn away from God. Whole nations can do that. The nation of Israel, for example, became wealthy under the reigns of David and Solomon. They experienced a period of prosperity and peace, especially under Solomon, that was unprecedented at that time. And eventually they fell away. They turned away from God. The riches got to them. And they left their God. I think that's what happened a lot in our passage tonight. I've entitled this sermon, He Chose Sodom. He Chose Sodom. He allowed the prospect of greater wealth and influence to affect His life decisions. And I believe that He did exactly what later on the psalmist would warn us about. Let's notice Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is really going to be the basis for our sermon tonight as it reflects on the actions of Lot. The psalmist warned us against the process in this life that can cause things like this to happen. He said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. 
The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. See, we want to be standing in the judgment. That's what we want. The ungodly will not stand in the day of judgment. They will be cast into eternal hell. So I want us to apply the mistakes of Lot to us in our lives today. I want us to notice how these things happened. How these things began. We're going to take the words of the psalmist. We're going to look at the situation under which Lot was living. And we're going to notice our first point tonight is this happened because of Lot's step. His step. Remember what the psalmist said. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Lot took a step. It was a step in the wrong direction. But for a person to put forth the effort to take a step towards something, he must have a desire. There must be a goal in mind, right? Lot had a goal in mind when he made his choice. Notice again what it said in verse 10 of our passage. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. And it was well watered. See, Lot was a herdsman. He looked out over that plain. He said, boy, look, I have all the water I need. I have all the pastures I need. That's where I want to be. What did verse 13 of our chapter say? But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked. He wasn't thinking about that. He let the prospect of prosperity make him lose sight of what he needed to be doing. His desire for the physical caused his desire for the spiritual to be diminished. In his sermon delivered on the mount, Jesus warned us concerning these things. Notice Matthew 6, beginning with verse 19. Jesus said, Lay not up yourselves treasures upon earth. Don't have your treasures that which is earthly. Why? Where moth and rust doth corrupt where thieves break in and steal. But lay up yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now we need to understand, the Lord was not condemning wealth. Abraham, who was in this exact situation as Lot, was even more wealthy than Lot. Abraham wasn't condemned. It's not the fact of wealth. It's okay to be wealthy. In fact, it's okay to be extremely wealthy unless we put that wealth between us and God. See, that's what Lot did. Lot took a step toward sinfulness. Abraham's nephew was thinking in another direction than what the Lord was talking about. And his desire affected his direction. As he stepped. Lot chose Sodom over the things of God. That's simply the truth, isn't it? In fact, he was selfish in not yielding to his uncle. Abraham was the elder. Lot was younger. When Abraham came to him, he said, 
We don't want strife. We're brethren. We're family members. We want to be able to get along. We're both children of God. Let's separate so we can have room and there's not going to be problems. Lot should have yielded to Abraham and said, No, you choose. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. But that's not what happened. See, Lot was selfish. He looked out and he saw that plain. He saw all that water. Now when we look at that area of the world, and we see that fertile crescent that comes up around the Euphrates and the Tigris and goes north and then comes back down by the Mediterranean Sea and on down into Egypt, it is lush and green. Now in order to get there, from where Abraham came, he had to go through some areas not so lush and not so green. And so Lot, remembering that, looked out and he said, Oh, I don't have to worry about water. I don't have to worry about moving my flocks from one place to the other. There is so much room out there. There are so much things that I need. I'm going to take that instead of yielding to his uncle. He was so selfish. But it is truly difficult when one strives to be faithful in this life. Not to be thrown off track when we're surrounded by every type of sin and temptation in this world. It truly is difficult at times. The Lord understands that. Even in the garden, the first couple, they yielded to sin and they didn't have all the myriad of kinds of sins that are going on in the world today. Yet they still stumbled. But we can be faithful. We can be successful, though it's difficult. It was just as difficult for Jesus to live in this world as it is for anyone else. But how do we go about doing that? How can we go about avoiding the mistakes Lot made? Well, first of all, David was determined. He said, I'm not going to set any wicked thing before my eyes. Psalm 101 verse 3, he said, I hate the work of them that turn aside. Now notice this phrase. It shall not cleave to me. Now this word cleave is the same word used in Genesis chapter 2. When Adam was talking about the husband-wife relationship and the, 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 the husband shall leave his father and his mother and he shall cleave to his wife. That means to be glued steadfastly together, to be joined. If one is removed, it breaks the bond and both are harmed. That's what the word indicates. Sin can stick to us if we allow it. Sin will get all over us and it's hard to get it off. It will not cleave to us if we won't allow it to be before our eyes. That's what David said he would do. Later on he said he would incline not his heart to any evil thing. Psalm 141.4 He said to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity and let me not eat of their dainties. I'm not going to participate with them. I'm not going to take the benefit from them, the things that they're going to give me that that I would like to have. A man that I respect nearly as more than any man I've known, aside from my father, told me one time, he said, you're going to go out into the world. He said, be careful who you let buy lunch for you. Be careful who you let buy your lunch because you'll be obligated. And you might not want to be obligated. I didn't really understand that when he first made that statement to me. But the older I got, the more experience I had, I said, boy, you've got to be careful who you let buy your lunch because they'll expect something in return. We don't want to partake of their sinfulness, right? 
If we incline or turn aside to sin, our direction is not what God wants. We're not stepping in the right way. See, we see Lot doing that. He focused on the wrong things and his movement started in the wrong direction. He, he stepped, he walked in the counsel of the ungodly. Remember, the psalmist said this, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. We have to be careful of our steps. But you know why we have to be careful where we step? Our second point is this, where we step is where we'll stand. Where we step is where we'll stand. Lot made his stand. He chose Sodom. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. The reader is introduced to the contrast between Abraham and Lot during this critical time in their lives. Moses said this, Genesis 13, 12, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. He faced his tent toward that city. It wasn't that he was in the direction of Sodom, it's that he was focused on Sodom. He liked what he saw. When we get to the end of that account, and Sodom is being destroyed, and the family's leaving, what, is his, what did his wife do? She turned and looked back. Was she punished simply for looking back? Well, she, she disobeyed God. But why did she look back? Because she longed for what was behind her. Lot liked what he saw. He liked that area. He pitched his tent toward Sodom. See, we, we have to be careful the direction where we step because where we step is where we'll stand. Now, Lot wasn't, wasn't a sinful man. We read about that in, in the Scripture. He wasn't a sinful man, but he surrounded himself with sinful people. And we cannot throw our support toward sinful people, even though we might not participate in that kind of thing, right? Lot wasn't standing for with God. He had pitched his tent. He was standing with the people who walked on the sinful path. And because he pitched his tent towards Sodom, because he was standing in Sodom, he allowed the pressure of those sinful people to affect his life. That will happen to all of us. Did you ever believe when you were in high school that, boy, once I get out of school, I won't have to worry about peer pressure any longer? That may be one of the biggest lies forced upon humanity. There's always pressure. There's always peer pressure. There's always pressure to conform to the world. And it may even be worse when we get older. We have to be careful. Lot allowed that to affect him. And where we stand will not only affect us, it will affect our families. We influence them by the choices that we make. We are influenced by the choices that we make. And fathers better be careful of that. Mothers better be careful of that. Where we stand affects our family. I'm sure that Lot would have altered his behavior if he could see the end from the beginning. But he couldn't. He couldn't. I have a very close friend of mine who passed on several years ago. And he grieved over his children. Grieved over them because when he wasn't influencing their lives, he wasn't the proper influence. 
He influenced them for sure, but not in the proper way. And so when it came time to leave Sodom, Lot had a problem on his hands, didn't he? He had a big problem. His daughters had married local men. They'd gone out into that godless city, found the only, uh, uh, at least two of the only probably heterosexual men in the, in the whole city because it was bombarded with homosexuality and married those men. And then what happened when it came time to leave? They wanted to stay. Why? Well, they, they married husbands there. They didn't want to live. Moses recorded in verse 14 of Genesis 19, And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. They thought he was joking. They thought he was just a foolish old man. He didn't know what he was talking about. What do you mean get up and leave this city? This is where we live. Well, not for long. Because Lot was not an influence upon his family when he should have been, or the proper influence, he lost at least two daughters. He had sons-in-laws. He had at least two sons-in-law. That means he had to have two daughters at least. And maybe more. I don't know how many children he had. But he lost at least two daughters and a wife. All because of where he stood in life. He wasn't watching what he was doing. We're going to take steps in this life and we're going to have goals. We're going to reach some of those goals. We're going to ultimately stand somewhere. But you know what happens? You step towards somewhere, you stand for it, and eventually that's where you're going to sit. That's where you're going to place yourself. We see that in the Psalms, right? Don't walk that way, don't stand that way, and certainly don't sit with them. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. We see that progression towards sin. We step toward, we stand among, and we sit with. That's what Lot did. Sin doesn't allow us to simply look on it and think, well, that could be temporarily very enjoyable for us. That's not how sin operates, right? We know that it's a temporary pleasure, Hebrews 11.25. It's, it's enjoyable for a season. But sin doesn't allow that to happen. Sin wants to grab hold of you, wants to suck you in. It wants to stick to you and cleave to you and drag you down to the bottom. Satan wants each of us to be in hell with him. But we're going to sit among sin if we step that way. If we stand there. That's our third point. We sit upon the foundation which we've laid. That's the bottom line, isn't it? Those are the things upon which we rely in this life. The foundation that we lay. We all rely upon something. All of us. The Lord acknowledged that we will serve one of two masters in this life. We're going to be a slave to Satan or we're going to be a slave for the Lord. Now this word slave that's used in Matthew 6.24, notice what Jesus said. No man can serve two masters. For he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. He said we're going to be a slave to one of two powers. Again, this word slave is doulos. That means a voluntary slave. A volunteer to be a slave. See, we're not necessarily volunteering to be slaves for Satan. We may just, because we don't do anything else, fall into that category. But to be a slave for God, you have to ask for that. You have to 
You have to volunteer, right? That's the kind of slave that the Lord wants. We see two very different foundations laid in the Bible as we look over this topic. The rich fool that we read about in Luke twelve nineteen, he built his foundation upon something that was not very strong. After having looked out over his uh, prosperity, much in the same way Nebuchadnezzar did, he looked out and he said, Boy, I've got all these barns full to the brim of grain and things. He said, There's just simply not enough room. I'm going to tear all those barns down and I'm going to build new barns. Remember what he said he wanted to do? Luke 12, verse 19, And I will say to my soul, Soul, you've got many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. You've got it made. You've done all the hard work. Now, now lay back and enjoy what you've done. Do you remember what the Lord asked after He mentioned that? He said God was going to require something of Him that night. He said, God's going to require your soul. He says, now who will those things belong to that you produced? Irony, isn't it? Sarcasm. Who produced it? Who gave it? God gave it. Now Peter, on the other hand, chose the eternal foundation. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Matthew 16, 16. Jesus said... Upon that rock, verse 18, I'll build my church. That's the foundation that Jesus is the Son of God. You know, as parents, we're very concerned about our children. Rightly so. We ought to be. We better be. We worry about their future. We want them to have the greatest start in life we can have. But far too often, that that translates in our minds as a financial start in life. Now, we want to do that. I think we ought to do it. But we better be concerned with the spiritual start in life. We better make sure that our children are on the, on the pathway, they step toward, they stand with, and they sit among God's people, not the world. I think if we could go back and ask Lot, he would tell us that he wished he had done a better job. He wished that he would have influenced his children in the proper way. That way he wouldn't have lost those daughters. Maybe he wouldn't have lost his wife. Perhaps he would have never even been in Sodom. And this sad account would have never been reality. Our influence toward our children better be the right influence because we're going to influence them one way or the other. Am I going to talk properly? Am I going to dress properly? Am I going to behave properly? What about my choices? Are my choices in life going to be what they need to uh, exemplify in their lives? You know, as simple as as being present for worship, right? That should never be a problem. That ought to be an easy thing. But is that something I've dedicated myself to? Is that a a priority or a choice that I sometimes make? See, our children see that. But once we sit on the right foundation and we're standing firm in God, we better remain firm in God, hadn't we? We better be firm in our choices We can overcome past mistakes if we stand firm in the faith and embrace the correct foundation. We can change. We can come back, right? Lot ultimately did that. Peter talked about him, 2 Peter 2, 7. He said, God delivered just Lot, who was vexed by the sinfulness, the filthy conversation of the wicked there in 
Sodom. It, it vexed him. It bothered him. It worried him. He couldn't stand it. But it didn't bother him enough to get out of there a little quicker. That may be where the problem lies. He was not firm when he needed to be firm. Again, he was bothered by the sin, but it should have bothered him more. We can say we don't like the things that are happening in our world today, but unless we try to do something about it, it's not bothering us enough, right? Do do I speak out against the sin? Am I shamed into doing something that I really shouldn't be doing or that I don't really want to do, but the pressure is on me? The pressure was on Lot. He folded. See, if we're we're not firm, we may lose the very things that are most precious to us. Nothing is more precious to us than our family members. Lot lost at least three members of his family, his wife and at least two daughters. God wants us to be firm in choosing Him over the world, right? Lot chose Sodom. We have have to be obedient to the gospel plan of salvation. That's our beginning in anything we talk about. If we're talking about a spiritual life toward God, it must begin with, how do I become a Christian? We have to be able to tell people that. It's a simple process, isn't it? Faith, repentance, confession, immersion in water, faithful living. That is stepping toward God, that's standing among God's people, and that's sitting with God's people. I have established myself. That's what it's talking about. That's what the psalmist is talking about. Don't establish yourself in the company of wicked people. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Right? It can destroy our morals. We can go into a situation with high morals and after a period of time, we may not even recognize ourselves. We become jaded. We become jaded. We have to be careful. God wants us to be firm. When we sin, He wants us to be firm in our resolve to come back to Him. So that's what Lot did. Lot made some terrible mistakes. He lost his family. Lot will answer for that. At least it will be on his conscience, won't it? I think Lot died a saved individual. But this can't be have been a, a, the best time in the history of his life. He made some mistakes, didn't He? Now we're going to choose in this life where we step, where we stand, and where we sit. And we may only have a short period of time to be able to do that. We're going to be faced with some of the exact types of choices with which Lot was faced. I think Lot failed in many aspects. Again, I think he died a saved individual, a child of God. But we need to learn from his mistakes so we don't make those. Have you ever told your children, learn from my mistakes so you don't make the same ones? I have. I've done that. Let's learn from Lot. Today is the day to choose. Am I going to be obedient to God? Am I going to obey the gospel if I haven't done that? If I haven't, I've become unfaithful. Am I going to come back to God today? If you stand in need to answer that question, this Lord's invitation, do that as we stand and as we sing.